them. Yep. So the reason I would like Wisconsin to be a two buck state is because it's super selfish. But like last <laughs> night or not. Yeah. Last night I was out with my son for the first time, like ever. He's three years old. I took him out and I was like, well, we're just going to go to like some spot, like a hundred yards off the road, not even. And then we're just going to kind of tuck into the, I knew there was like some down trees along this like swampy edge. Yeah. So we, we, we went out there. I freaking laid a blanket down. We had a little picnic. Like <laughs> he was, he brought his own uh, like plastic suction cup bow and he was like, dad, look at the birds. Oh my gosh. Chipmunk dad, look, dad, look. I'm like, shh. Right. I'm trying yeah. to like, buy it, buddy. Um, and I had an idea there were deer in the area. Like I, I knew we'd probably see something. I just didn't know how close. And we had a four pointer scoop by at about 50 yards. And he was like, shoot it, dad, shoot it. And I was like, oh, dude, he's a, I only have one buck tag B 50 yards is a, is a poke. So I was yeah. just, I was like, nah, he's we got to let him go. Why didn't you shoot him dad? And I didn't want to be like, because he's not big enough and I don't care about you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wanted like to be... automatic light now for him, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. But also like, I was in my head, I was thinking, I was like, man, I don't want him to think that he goes out and hunts and kills a deer every time. Like I was like that. Yeah. Cause that really is not the case. So yeah. I, yeah. So, I hope uh, does, he ever, does he get disappointed when he come home without a deer? Is he kind of getting oh, used yeah. to the fact? <laughs> oh yeah. He's he, he knows it's very unlikely. I'm coming home with one. Did you get one dad? No. Did they all run away? Dad? Yes. <laughs> right thanks for calling thanks for calling me out <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly my wife just knows by this point she just doesn't ask she's like how far were they <laughs> you know i didn't uh, see any <laughs> yeah yeah exactly that's usually what happens like i didn't even see one um but yeah so that's why the reason i would want it to be a two buck state is just because of that reason like if i can go out with a kid with my son and then you know shoot one and then i get whatever i can shoot whatever on the piece of public and then i could go shoot another one I don't know. Maybe if they divided it up by like counties or something, I'd be a little happier, but no. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like, you know, there's always the upside to it being the selfish aspect. Like, yeah, I can go kill two deer, but then there's always like what outweighs and there's certain situations and everything like that. But yeah, I don't know. Just hunting Michigan for as long as I have now, I would, I would like for it to go to a one buck tag just to help help us out here for quality wise. But that's really the one reason. Other than that, like we have really good deer numbers here. Yeah, I hear I can imagine like the people I talk to on the podcast and just talking to people in life. I, I feel like a lot of people are like, dude, if you're hunting Michigan, shoot the first like basket rack you see, because that's all you're ever going to. And then I talked to other guys like you that pull out really nice bucks. And it's like, well, no, that's not always the case. Like you can find the big ones. You just have to find the right areas and, and make the right move. Yeah. Time. Yeah. It's just, it's very situational dependent area dependent, obviously. Like I'm pretty, I'm really fortunate for the area that I, that I do a majority of my hunting in. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So um, for everybody listening, Talking to talking to, and I'm gonna screw up the last name. We even went over this before, but it's Nick Kohili. Did I do that? Right? Yeah, Nick Kohili yeah. um, from Michigan, from the Rise to Hunt team. Uh, Nick dropped a giant, a really cool, really unique buck. Actually, um, we'll throw that up as the thumbnail. 
really unique buck um, on Michigan ground. So we're going to recap that hunt, go through it, kind of figure out where, uh, what happened there and all that jazz. And uh, hopefully pick apart some of these pieces that uh, can help everyone else be a little bit more successful. Um, before we jump into it, I got to thank a few people, Nick. So like, go get a glass of water, go take a piss, <laughs> go, do, <laughs> go do whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, I want to, I got to thank, uh, for the partners of the program, Onyx maps, right? If, if you have a GP, if you need a GPS mapping app, um, you want waypoints tracking, uh, offline, uh, offline maps. I was just out in Colorado for a full week. Um, so for everybody listening, like you haven't heard a podcast in two weeks, the week before the week I was totally gone out of reception and the week after like has just been wildly nuts for me between family hunting and, uh, and family hunting and work works the big one. That's the thing that consumes all my time. <laughs> so family hunting and work and then trying to link up with people here and there. Like, I mean, even Nick and I, it's been like a week since I've talked to him initially and just trying to find times that work for everybody. So apologize for everyone listening there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the priorities work family and, and my own hunting have to take a little bit of a, of a priority over this. <laughs> um, so anyway, Onyx Maps, partner of the program, Vector Arrows. If you guys haven't looked at Vector Arrows, you need some new arrows for the season. Your bows aren't, your bow isn't tuning right or whatever it is. Your arrows aren't flying right. Check out Vector Custom Shop. They make great arrows. They, they It's all custom to your bow, your draw length, your draw weight, things like that, um, what game you're hunting. So go check those guys out. And last but not least, Venado, shopvenado.com. Those guys are awesome. Uh, they make lifestyle apparel, clothing, really high quality clothing, um, for the outdoor industry. If you're buying sweatshirts, you're buying t-shirts, you're buying hoodies, whatever it is for gifts and things like that. My personal preference is I try to support companies that support hunting. So, and these guys sell just like regular old sweatshirts, regular t-shirts, and they're big hunting supporters. So that's why I buy from them. All right. So those are the three partners. Thank you everybody for listening through that. Now, Nick. I don't know anything about you. <laughs> no, but who's this random guy messaging me here that wants to do a podcast? Sure, why not? You know, yes. <laughs> basically that's what it was. <laughs> Perfect, dude. Thank you. I, oh. I appreciate it. Um, Yeah, this will be episode like 140 or something like that. So I do have a few of these. Under really? My- <laughs> um, so where, where are you out? Well, it's weird because like, um, so I'm out of Michigan, like South Central Michigan. Okay. And yeah. So that's kind of if if you had to ask anyone, that's probably a little where a little bit better quality is for the deer in Michigan. I mean, there's don't get me wrong, like you go more northern, there's great deer up there too. Also, like some of the counties have uh, introduced the antler point restriction. They've been sticking with that, but even still, like with those counties, like yes, they're producing good deer, but for whatever reason, it just seems like they, I don't know if they're just not getting the mineral or nutrition or whatever it is, but they don't really quite get, you know, like that Midwest type caliber deer, I guess, as far as like mass and all that stuff. So versus lower Michigan, it's a little bit more farm country. And it seems like, you know, I, I would say the deer here, I've found some deer here that I could compare to any other state I've hunted in the Midwest also. Yeah, I would. I mean, Wisconsin has very similar and you hear it from guys from Minnesota as well. Kind of, you know, once you get in and Pennsylvania, you hear it a lot. Once you get into those big woods scenarios where there's not a ton of ag, 
like the the quantity of quality deer the quantity of of bucks that are five and a half six and a half years old and are sporting a 150 inch rack or so like that is that becomes very uh uncommon right yeah so so yeah i mean northern michigan northern wisconsin northern pa northern new york northern minnesota yeah you get that but the guys who are able to pull those out of there consistently year over year like those are some fun people to talk to oh yeah yeah you get those guys that are hung in those like pressured areas and that can do it consistently year after year it those are the killers right there i mean anyone i mean i hate to say it but i've been to iowa enough anyone can go to iowa and probably get on a good deer once and once out of the season type thing but you get those guys in the high, you know, a little bit higher pressured states that can do it year after year. Those are the guys that you want to be talking to. Yeah. 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 For sure. So South central, are you hunting around South central? Yeah. So I got a farm that's I've hunted. I believe this would probably be the 10th year I've hunted it. I've leased it out. And um, so it's probably about 15 minutes from my house, 15, 20 minutes from my house. So, I've had, I put my time in there as you can yeah. say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, have you always hunted like South central Michigan? You born and bred there or what? Yeah. Yeah. Born and bred here. Um, I, when I was, you know, when I first started hunting probably, you know, 12, 14, I think when, but when I, you can start, you know, hunting at my, in my era and, um, I'd go up North, our buddies, my dad's buddy. And I, I became good friends with his kid and, we, they moved up north and we hunt, did a couple of youth seasons up there and hunt up there a little bit. But I would say 99% of the hunting I've done has all been right around my area that I grew up at. Gotcha. So then before this lease that you've been on, like, what were you doing there? Was it knocking on doors, other leases, public or? A little bit of both. I mean, I was pretty lucky, I guess. And, you know, I had a little bit of property here at the, at the house I grew up in. Um, I could hunt there. And then there was some property across the street that, you know, all those kids would kind of just run rampant on and uh, ride four wheelers and all that stuff over there. And we do some hunting over there too. So, but it was just, it was at that point, it was, you know, your year and a half, two and a half year old deer is all you're kind of hunting over there. So. Yeah. Though that the, the dumb ones that stick around the four wheelers and the yeah. twos and the shotguns. <laughs> yeah. When you get, when you got kids in there every day with four wheelers and 22 shooting squirrels and yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> All the other ones you had to probably run into the next mile or so. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And, and that would, I realized that, I don't know when I, what age I was probably I'm 32 now. So probably when I was like 24, 25, that's when I like, realized we we had this property that we could always hunt as kids growing up and we would go hunt it it was it was public ground but it was difficult to access and one of my buddy's parents had a house on it so we would always go to their house park there and it made it super easy so um so a lot of people wouldn't access it there was like no pressure back there but man we would never see any big bucks but we would goose hunt we would duck hunt we would squirrel <laughs> hunt we would rabbit hunt we would dove hunt like every now and then they'd drop some pheasants in there so we'd go pheasant hunting and then we'd go deer hunt and like none of us could ever kill anything monstrous and we're always like why don't why aren't we seeing anything over like 120 and it's like well because yeah. we're in there pretty much every day after school <laughs> yeah but i mean that's what you know taught you up and brought you up how you are type thing too so it's like you can't 
can't really knock it. I mean, granted, yeah, we weren't killing good deer growing up or whatever, but still, I mean, that it's taught me who I am now, you know? Yeah, dude, that is a, I think that's a really underappreciated point. Um, and it is something that I was talking to a few people about the other day. And it was kind of one of those things that it's like, dude, whatever happens to you in life, it may seem awful, like at the time, or it may not seem good, or it may seem like it wasn't the right path, or you wanted to go somewhere else, but you don't know like what that path or what that decision or what that thing could have led to that was even more negative. Right. So you always like life is just life and you roll with it. And whether the, the decision's good or bad, it doesn't matter. It just happens and you go on to the next thing, right? Yep. You find the best path forward from there or what you think is the best path, right? Yeah, so. you're, you're, you're always coming to these branches and you're always guessing, you know, trying to figure out which way to go. And just that all depends on, you know, situational. Yeah. So then, uh, yeah, so, so tying that in, so how did you, how did you end up branching into this lease? Like, did you look all around? Did you, did you know this lease? How'd you figure it out? So I used to have, I had a pretty good property. I ended up getting permission from, it was like a neighbor's cousin type of thing. I had good, you know, it was really good property. Well, I ended up losing that property and literally it's like kind of one of the ones where I wanted to cry pretty much after, after losing. Um, so I think I did like a year or two after that. And I was like really just banging my head against the wall, like trying to find places, knocking on doors, da, 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 da. and uh, in Michigan, you know, that's just, it's, it's tough to gain permission. It's either someone knows someone who hunts, their relative hunts, they hunt or whatever the case may be. Um, so at the time was just how far back it was. It's like Craigslist was the big thing at the time. I literally posted an ad on Craigslist and no joke, like that day, I don't, I got a phone call from my farmer now. And he says, yeah, I got this place. Da, da, da. I'm like, well, shit. All right, I'll go check it out. And I guess I'm like, yep. All right. Yep. We'll try it. You know, it's definitely better than what I'm on <laughs> now. So, yeah. And it's just been kind of like we've become, you know, built a great relationship with it. I mean, even I think I hunted that farm for, oh, I don't know. I think it was almost five or six years. I hunted it. And, um, because it's really only good during bow season to be 100% honest with you. Um, it's just a lot of field ground and then like smaller woodlots. So when the harsher winters or the gun pressure comes in, those deer kind of push out of there to different areas. So really it's only good during bow season realistically. And uh, so I was kind of getting frustrated with that type of thing. Like, all right, I want someone that's good all year round where I can kind of track deer year to year. So I walked away from it and um, I walked away from it told them you know it's like hey i'll help you out in any way possible to find someone else i'll you know share all my camera pictures like da, 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 da. so another guy comes in there for i think about two years and then ends up leaving because he was kind of the same boat where he wants something that was good year round so coming in that summer i'm on my way to missouri because I, I was on missouri that year my farmer calls me and he's like um he's like you'll never guess what i just saw I'm like, really? You know, type thing. And he's like, I just saw a giant out there. Da, da, da. Kind of goes through all of it. And he's like, you know, me, me and old man, because his dad's still alive. They still farm together. Da, da. He's like, we kind of, you know, we just really liked you. We, we clicked with you. We'd had nothing to worry about with you and everything like that. And I'm like, you know, it's just kind of basically like, guys, I don't know if it's in the chips as far as money wise this year. And basically almost like was like begging me to come back. So finally, I'm like, all right. 
I'll, I'll come back, you know, type thing. And that's one of the best decisions I've made, honestly. Because <laughs> it's like before I was hunting it, you know, like that five or six years, and I'd have opportunities year after year, like so close, but for whatever reason, like nothing ever came together. And literally since I came, you know, since I've come back, it's just like almost seems like things have just been clicking nonstop since then. So like I said, it was probably one of the better decisions I made for like as far as hunting hunt Michigan. And uh, I mean, I've been spoiled around with some deer that, that I've hunted out there, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, dude. That's cool. Um, yeah, Craig, I mean, you never expect those Craigslist ads to work. That's awesome no, that you, you can have, it work you for you. Yeah, you hop on there and you'll see fucking, you'll see 10 of them, you know, from other guys. And it's like, yeah, good luck type thing. It just, I don't know if it was right timing or what. I just got so lucky with it. And yeah. I, I mean, I don't there even know is. if I confused this Craigslist anymore or not. <laughs> right? Man, it had to be, it had to be right timing. Cause I know like Michigan and Wisconsin for, for all the pressure that, that the states get are actually fairly similar in terms of hunter numbers yeah. um and i think when does your gun season roll in uh november 15th every year okay so yeah it's i mean it's so it's bow season october 1st uh, november 14th essentially bow only yep yep okay yeah so that's pretty similar to to wisconsin we do september like 15th ish it's the third saturday of october every year so whatever that lands on it's always the third saturday and when then, your comes in? no 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 that's both oh, okay <laughs> and then saying. yeah yeah the third saturday of september i'm sorry the third th- saturday of september is when bow season starts and okay. it rolls until the saturday before thanksgiving oh, okay so okay. and then the thanksgiving week is always gun season so like that's how wisconsin's work so we have more time we have like i don't know probably four more weeks than you guys do before gun season starts um do you guys have, do you, can anyone in Michigan use a crossbow or do you have to be disabled? No, um, anyone can use one now. It okay. used to be, oh, it was probably almost five years ago. It used to be, had to be disabled or uh, something along those lines. Now it's anyone. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So that's similar. That's Wisconsin now too. Anyone can okay. use a crossbow at any time, which is an interest. They like, they were talking about last year. There was some chatter going on. I don't think nothing came of it, but like crossbow only uh, for the two weeks of November or crossbow only until like someone, I saw something said like crossbow only until November 1st. And it was like, so then once the rut hits, you can't use a crossbow. And there were like kind of these, uh, oddball thoughts going around, but nothing, I don't think any of it ever passed, um, or nothing that I'm aware of, at least. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of a double-edged sword with those. Cause it's like, obviously like I want people to get into, you know, get into hunting and, and everything along those lines. But when you then you look at your selfish aspect of it, it's like, well, now you got all these gun that used to just be gun hunters out there bow hunting now. But and then he always had the, the, the play of, well, for all those guys that aren't practicing shooting their bow all the time now they got crossbow so they're more ethical versus out there just winging arrows so it's definitely a double-edged sword and you know like at first i remember i was like oh screw these crossbow hunters da, 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 da. and now it's like now that i've gotten older and i've matured and everything along those lines kind of like 
it, it, it's a you know like i i got nothing bad to say granted yes it's from a selfish aspect yeah it'd be nice because there wouldn't be as many bow hunters now but at the same point too it's like i bought my dad a crossbow this year because he you know he's 60 something years old and he's getting up there and kind of one of those things where he's like oh i can't remember if my first top spin 20 yards or 25 yards or whatever and i'm like all right, we'll get your crossbow now, and then you can. <laughs> and, and also, too, it extends his range because, like, he hunts a farm up north at his buddies, where a lot of times he's been having these deer at fifty yards every season. So now it's like, all right, now I get you the crossbow. Fifty yards is your absolute max that you're gonna shoot, type of thing. And it, it's get all. It just opens up opportunities for him now, and he's not having to second guess himself, or you know, hasn't shot his bow enough, and da da da. So yeah, it just you know, it's whether they put some some sort of regulations on it i wouldn't be upset but at the same point too it's like i'm glad that it is getting more people in in out in the outdoors and making some of hunters more ethical in the sense too yeah yeah i'm in the same boat like like you said double-edged sword like you have there are guys that i know that are between you know 30 and 50 years old and are very capable and could get out and could practice and could put more effort into it but they're like, F that, I'm just going to get a crossbow. This will be easy, yeah. right? So, like, you have guys like that, but you also have guy, you also have the first-time hunter who's 43. And it's like, dude, you don't have to, yeah, you can go get a crossbow, you know? Yeah. But then at the same time, like, tracking that through the DNR system, like, if you're buying your first, if it's your second ever time ever buying a license, you can still buy a crossbow. Your third time, you can't like type yeah. of thing unless you apply for disability and then you have like this whole tracking mechanism internally and what does that cost the government to track all that information <laughs> i don't yeah. know i you know i have no idea but maybe it's a lot maybe it's nothing or if you had like anyone under 20 you know as first time hunters because i know when my kids able to when both of my kids are able to hunt like that's what i'm going to get on i'm going to instead of a 30 pound i think it's got to be 35 pounds in wisconsin instead of getting that yeah. type of compound i'll give them a crossbow until they're yeah. ready to shoot a uh, you know, a 50 pound compound. Yeah, exactly. Like what you're saying. I'm, I'm in the yeah. same boat and I don't, I don't know any statistics and I should look this up, but statistics on like, has the, since crossbows have been brought in for like full on legal, has the kill, uh, count gone up? Yeah. I don't I, know. Yeah. Right. It's as like, the ratio of like, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, yeah, the ratio of kill per hunter is like, the success rate has that gone way up or not if it stayed like the same then i don't know what anyone's talking about <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know we, we just put you know it's just a thought that we put our head that's burning our head like oh well screw these guys they're 100 you know they're killing all these deer now but it, it, you know i i've never looked into it either and you know i mean realistically though it's if if you feel like you're gonna be more ethical with a crossbow more power to you i'd rather you do that than going out there and you know a bunch of deer getting wounded not being found and da 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 so it's like, I'd much rather that aspect mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would do it. And to that point, like for, for people shooting crossbows and I, I don't mean any offense to your dad when I say this, cause I don't know what he's doing, but I did have a blood tracker on here last year and I've talked to him again this year. His name's Tim. Super cool. Dude said the number by far, the number one deer that is lost is a crossbow with an expandable head over 25 yards. He's like, that seems to be like, if I get a call and it's a guy who's like, Hey, <laughs> I shot a deer. 
I shoot a crossbow, I shoot a rage expandable, or I shoot some sort of expandable. And he was at 37 yards. Tim, Tim's like, he just instantly says shit. Like, yeah, (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to do about this. You know? (laughs) Well, that's the thing I really hate too. with like the crossbow market basically is they advertise these, you know, they advertise all these crossbows. Oh, good out to a hundred yards out of the box. Well, yeah, you may be able to hit a dime at a hundred yards, but gosh dang, how quick's that deer get react at a hundred yards with that, you know, twenty-two going off basically? <laughs> you know, yeah. that's the thing. Is like, so that's like basically why you know when he got his, I was like, all right, fifty yards is your max. Like, yes, still, even doesn't matter what bow you have, but that deer can react at fifty yards. So it's even at thirty yards, they can react. I, right. <laughs> well, you know, like I, I had it happen to me this year. I had a deer duck me in North Dakota at thirty yards. And it's just situational dependent, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're taking a 50 yard shot, it better be, you know, it better be, there better be a good reason behind the type thing. Right. Yeah. Kind of one of those, uh, totally unaware, totally just sitting there feeding unaware, mm-hmm. not doing anything, then send it. But if they're staring at you and they're <laughs> licking their nose and they're flipping their tail and they're looking yeah. at you, like, dude, he's about to go. <laughs> yeah. Don't send that arrow. Um, I mean, I, I kind of put my foot in my mouth with the story that we're about get re- about ready to get into. But that, <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> Perfect. Let's transition into the story. So you got, um, all right. So you're on this lease. You've been on this lease for 10 years. Um, and you guys, if you haven't looked up Nick's, uh, Nick's Instagram, what is it, Nick? Uh, I believe it's Nick underscore C-O-H. So like Nick Co, basically. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Nick. Yep. So N-I-C-K underscore C-O-H. All right. Go look up. Go look up this buck that Nick shot. You can read the little blurb underneath it, uh, which is what I have done. So that's where we're going to start is sounds like uh, you got some trail camera pictures of this super unique buck and before we get started, just describe how this buck looks. <laughs> uh, so basically, he'd be like your perfect four-point side, like, you know, as an eight-point. But then his left side, yeah, his left side is literally just, I would say, just two giant spikes. <laughs> That's the best way to describe it, really. Yep. Yeah. You're, yep. So I just want to like people to understand that like the right side looks like it's going to be, if he comes in and you only see his right side, you're like, holy cow, this is going to be a great looking eight pointer. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then you see the yeah. left and you're like, it's an oddball six. <laughs> right? Yeah. And the two on the left are both like 14 or 16 inches or something. Yeah. I think one was, uh, if I remember right, one was, just like right around 16 i can't remember i always forget what that one is but the other one was like 17 and three quarter so yeah Yeah. (laughs) these things yeah just wild so all right so um story goes you i is this a good starting point you you got a trail camera picture of him in the summer or you glassed him up or what yeah so basically pulled down the cameras um so i'm very particular about my farm like my biggest thing is stay the heck out of there um, I learned before, like I was in there, you know, hanging cameras, checking cameras, trimming up stands, doing food plots, doing, you know, minerals back when we could do them. And like, I was, you know, it seemed like I tried to do it even at that. I was like, all right, every two weeks or every three weeks I was in there and, um, 
kind of since when I walked away from my farm and then I come back, my biggest thing has been just stay the heck out of there. So I um pretty much I turkey hunt it and then I'll do right at the tail end of turkey season, which is end of May for us. I'll go in there. I'll do all my stand prep. Then I'll you know hang stands, shift stands, um, trim them out. Whatever I whatever I feel like I need to do, like my off season stuff, I will do it then. <clears throat> um, and then I'll stay out until oh, roughly usually about the middle of July ish. Second week of July is usually I'll go in there. I'll make one trip in there then, and I'll hang all my cameras, set them up and um and whatnot so this year it kind of i think it was like the last week of june just because i was coming in to where you know our, our you know as we get older our weekends it just seems like every weekend there's always something going on you know there's a wedding for buddy's wedding or whatever so i was like look at this, my schedule and i'm like well i might as well go do it now otherwise i'm not gonna be able to do it till the end of july so i went out there i, I basically switched all the cell cameras now um, so then I do, I can just stay out there. I get all the pictures that, uh, um, so the last weekend of June, I went in there and, um, I got one spot that's on like, um, the far like Southeast corner of my property. And, uh, it's just basically, um, two creeks kind of come together right there. And, uh, it's just basically just tree rows is all it is. And then the neighbors have a, uh, Christmas tree farm. So I've been noticing a lot of deer coming out there the last couple of years. And that, that crossing has always been, um, kind of, there's always been a ton of tracks there. So I put a, once put a camera in there and actually, as I was hanging that camera, I'm in there with the ranger and the dog making all kinds of noise and da 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 da. And all of a sudden I like hear some rustling in the grass and I ran the other side of the creek and I turned my head and all I just see is just this giant wide frame, big brows. I'm like, holy crap. You know, like, like sweet to see that deer, but not cool at the same time, too. Because the last thing I want to be doing is in there boogering deer out. Type yeah. Thing. So, regardless, that's that's a different deer or whatever. Um, so, I get all my cameras hung and, um, you know, kind of sit back. I'm just waiting on it. And uh, I can't remember exactly when the first picture I got of him, but it wasn't much longer after that. Um, it was probably a couple weeks after that I got a picture of him in the, in the creek. And... Uh, literally is one of them deer where I'm like like that is a sweet deer like you know it's and he was pretty far along like early too like he's you know how you get those deers where they don't they really don't fill out until August time frame let's say I would say by the end of July he is almost already like 90% done probably Dang. so I, you know you know so I was like oh cow that's a sweet deer looking at him like he's mature he looks heavy and I'm like yeah, that's definitely one that I'm going to try to go after. Um, so fast forward, um, like I said, I like to stay out of my farm. That was pretty much like my trip in. That was kind of, I figured that trip, and then usually I'll do one more at one point in the year, whether it's to do a food plot or something along those lines. Well, this year, the way the crop rotation laid out, um, one of my better woodlots that I like to hunt um, had corn surrounding it. So this year I was like, all right, well, instead of food plots, I'm going to talk to a farmer and I'm going to try to brush hog corn where I'd normally do my food plots. So talked to him and it would have been two weeks before season. Grant, you know, I've been getting pictures of this deer and a couple of other ones pretty much all summer long. And they've all been in that creek down that southeast corner, where the majority of them all been there. Um, 
so you know like where i was wanting to do my brush hog corn is probably i'd say a quarter mile away or so so we're getting closer to season and like all of a sudden these deer kind of start popping off on cameras a little bit here you know a little bit further i guess and um there's one tree row that i've i you know i've had pretty good luck with it's it's a tree row that you look at and it's just out in the middle of like everything like i got big ag fields and um this tree row runs between like one wood lot and another there's probably about thousand yards between the two wood lots and it's kind of one of those spots where i say it's an observation spot but you definitely can kill there too um so couple weeks before or two weeks before season i go in there i brush hog the corn i do my like my spots there and then my cameras just are just blown up with deer you know i'm like holy cow like my butt like tyler's like it's like you're going in to brush hog corn early like you know like i'm like well yeah my farm's only good during bow season so i'm gonna try it and uh everyone was just kind of second guessing me second guessing me and then i'm showing them like dude my cameras just don't stop like it's literally all day everyday deer and i'm like holy crap that's awesome so, yeah it's that's kind of one of those off the wall things but now that i've done it like if i can if crop rotation plays out by a stand i'm gonna do that every year now Cause, just because it was it's crazy the amount of deer that i've been in there and are you like literally when you're saying brush hog corn like you're not just pushing over you're literally like running a brush hog <laughs> for it and are you doing like a half acre two acres eight acres like what um so basically it just really kind of, so one of them one of them maybe it was about a quarter acre because i was trying to do them to where even still if the deer came out like they were gonna be in bow range type of thing yeah. like 50 yards is kind of what i was going for um so the one laid out to where is quarter acre the other one was probably just over you i guess you could say um so yeah that was okay yeah, no, but, I'm just curious. I just didn't. Yeah, I didn't know. I wanted to understand the scale and how much you're you're knocking this over. Because if anybody else has a property, I know I there's a few properties that I want. <laughs> and granted, they're public ground, but like they're only good early season. So if other people are doing this and it's only good early season, or I know a lot of people who actually like they only have bow hunting rights, um, but one of the farmer's cousins or whatever hunts it too. Yeah. Right. So you're like, all right, I got to And that guy only comes out starting Halloween. Right. And because that's usually how it works is these people, yeah. a lot of people only start hunting in Halloween. You're like, all right, I can, I can sneak one out of here before this guy even starts to hunt. That would be the yeah. ideal scenario. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, like for me, it's like, you know, cause I didn't want to do it too early. Cause I know like, you know, as soon as I do it, the deer are probably going to be hitting it and then they're going to start cleaning it up, you know, clean out what, what's, yeah. you know, the easy access for them, I guess you could say. Um, so even though like, I was, had my weekends all planned out, I'm like, all right, I'm doing it this weekend. Da, da, da. Well, I, I usually borrow my girlfriend's dad's skister with the brush hog on it. Well, that was a um, job site. So I couldn't use that. And then so I was like, all right, backup plan. I got buddy with the tractor and brush hog. And then he ended up being busy. So I'm like, holy crap. Like now what am I going to do type thing? So skid steer ends up coming back from a job site one night. And I'm like, well, I got about an hour to do this. I get out there and I was out there brush hogging until 930 at night. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the last time I need to be out here. You know, just like 
like just like nerve like a nervous wreck basically like you know that i'm gonna be pushing deer out da, da, da. but at the same point too i'm like well it's a tractor you know you know you always hear about the farmers out there i mean mine calls my me every year oh i saw this one when we we're cutting this or da, da, da. you know they just don't care about the tractor so i was like maybe maybe i'll get lucky and that will be the case you know yeah. type of thing so anyways yeah i do all that cameras are blowing up i get i start getting some pictures of you know my deer kind of extending their range a little bit and um it was probably the week the week before season i start this buck was counting he's working one by one of my cameras on the, on that fence row that's around between the two wood lots and it was almost identical to um to a buck i killed two years ago it was like i'd get pictures of him in the morning and if i got pictures of him morning i'm like I'm like that's a dead deer walking like i'll get a picture of him that night type things could come right back by that and um so i'm like all right I'm like i already got the stand picked out and everything like this is how it's gonna happen like the first couple days of the season i'm looking at the weather i'm like this is like this is happening well day before season my camera goes off and the farmer's out there combining the beans I'm like, oh great, here we go. You know, like, <laughs> like yeah. this is getting, this is getting, because you know, at that point, it's you know, deer don't, you know, deer will walk across the middle of a standing bean field, but kind of they were working the edge of it because it was easier walking for them. And, you know, they're not having to walk through like the same, you know, the standing beans getting all tangled up. So I was just like, all right, this is get to a wrench and things type of deal. Um, so we're, I mean, we're moving through story pretty fast, but you know, it's kind of, that's all right. Um, dude, keep rolling. Yeah. So, you know, it was like day before season, you know, or it's like two days before season or like, yeah, two days before season, I got a picture of that buck and, you know, that morning and, uh, you know, did working down, working down that tree line. Like I said, I'm like, I got this, like in my head, I'm like slam dunk, slam dunk. Like this is the same thing that happened a couple of years ago. Like this is going to happen. Well, in, I got a picture of him day before season, daylight, working that fence row. I'm like, yep, he's going to come back. I mean, I'm texting Tyler and all the guys from the rise and like dead deer walking type of thing. And then a little bit, then that afternoon I get the combine. I'm like, oh boy, this gets to a wrench and things, you know, type of thing. They're like, oh no, da, da, da. So it is what it is. And um, so that night, actually, I'm over at a buddy's doing whatever. My farmer calls me. He's like, because we're, we're on really good, you know, like, if he sees a good deer, he usually calls me and tells me where he saw it and da da da. And he's like, it's like, you'll never guess what I just saw. I said, Yep, you just saw a big goofy buck, didn't you? He says, Well, he might have been in there with them, but I saw three really good bucks. And then he's like, uh, we pushed them, pushed them back to like the southwest corner or southeast corner of that field and da da da. I no longer hang up the phone with them and like ten minutes later I get I get a cell phone or cell phone picture of uh them in that cut corn brush on corn like right after right after the legal shooting time i'm like well there he is awesome yeah so i'm like i'm like all right you know it's like it's a little he was out there obviously during legal time but like you know by the time he got to where i could kill them out of that spot it would have been after illegal um so anyways you know i come in Come in the season, I'm always, you know, I'm usually, I'm very careful what I do, but I feel like, you know, those first couple of days of the season, there's always a chance. And um, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm not a huge believer in moon phases and stuff like that, but there, it seems to be like in the last couple of years I have killed, there's always been kind of a, 
little bit of the red moon as they call it you know that's kind of it kind of seems like it's lined out pretty good with it somehow so coming in the season I'm like it's gonna be warmer not really what I want it's kind of weird wind it's a northeast wind but I'm like I can hunt those two I got two stands on that fence where I got the one where I brush hog the corn and then one where they cut and the beans where they cut and I'm like I can hunt either one of those with a, with any north wind um so I go in there, open day season, you know, like, all right, it's a red moon, it's warmer, whatever, though, they still might be on their pattern. I'm like, hopefully, you know, maybe, you never know. So I'll go in there, end up having a phenomenal hunt, I had like nine bucks and nine does all right there in the brush hog corn. I'm like, that was cool, you know, like, I'm not going to complain with that one bit. And um, But no shooters so or anything? No, the biggest one was probably a two and a half year old, you know, two and a half year old. Okay. Um, so I'm talking to my buddy that hunt with in Ohio and he's like, you know, he, like kind of telling him what's going on. And he's like, yeah, it sounds like, you know, I'm like they cut these beans, they're fresh cut beans that by the, by the woodlot standing corn. I'm like, hopefully they'll be bedded in the woods, hit my cut corn, hit my brush hog corn and then transition to that fresh cut beans. So it's kind of can't, basically like a staging area is what I was kind of hoping for. Um, so he's like, yeah, that sounds like, you know, like, you know, anyone kind of thinks in their head, like, yeah, that sounds very logical type thing because you know how deer love fresh fresh combine you know whatever it is corn beans anything like that right so i go so i go in there that second night i'm like all right you know i'm like oh, we'll, we'll try it again and I, i'm at this point i'm getting really nervous because i'm like i'm going in the same spot twice but i'm like you know it was like at that point i got like it was pretty much a bulletproof like bulletproof setup type thing that felt the way the wind was and then when i brush hog the corn i left a couple rows around the outside perimeter so even the night before there was like there was two bucks that were in there right at dark still i was able to climb down get out of there sneak out the back side with with deer in that brush hog corn still so it's like all right you know it's pretty bulletproof setup i didn't spook nothing nothing went to me it's like all right we'll go in there and try it again so i go in there a second night about 5 30 you know, or about 4 30 deer start piling in there i'm like all right cool and then i you know and then it's a little bit of break and then 5 30 all of a sudden i have like a group of like five bucks come in and um i'm like all right sweet you know about uh, i got I end up having a real nice two and a half year old 10 point come in i'm just like watching him like oh my god like another year and you'll just you'll be there type thing so that's usually what i, I target here in michigan is three and a half um so yeah, I'm watching all these deer. I think that night I ended up, you know, it's like eleven bucks and then like nine does or something. I'm like, That's like awesome. again, I'm like again, like like awesome hunt. Like, granted, <laughs> there was um at one point there was like I saw a deer in the woods because like, I can only catch glimpses of them in the woods. Sure. Because all the all the foliage right now. At one point, I I did see a deer. And I caught a glimpse of them and never ended up coming out actually. And I believe it was like a big, I call him a big eight. Like he was one of the ones that like I was going to target. And, um, but he never ended up coming out to where I could get enough look or whatever. So again, I was like, all right, sweet hunt. Da, da, da. Same thing. Got out of there with deer, deer in the corn again. Um, so then, yeah, come on into Monday. I'm like, well, I, I got to go to work, you know? So I'm yeah. like, well, I'm done. I'm done until like, the weekend type of thing. So I go to work, do my thing. No, it's going to be a shorter day. And I'm like, well, there's a chance I could go hunting. But then I'm like, no, like I don't need to go hunting. I need to stay out of there. Da, da, da. Like, you know, again, I'm like, I, 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 I'm very cautious hunter. 
And, so, uh, and I'm I'm looking up the moon phase right now, but now I have the moon phase app. I just haven't been into it for a while. The moon guide. Yeah. I was trying to figure. I was trying to figure out. You're still in a red, like somewhat of a red moon phase, right? Because it's yeah. October second or third, something like third. that. Yeah. Yep. And then for your setup, just curious, like how you're describing it. Said it's pretty much bulletproof with any north wind. So in my brain, I'm imagining. Like you're parking somewhere to the south, you're walking north with the wind in your face the whole way, and the brush hog corn is to the north of you. Does that yep. sound right? A hundred percent. Okay. So, and then is the are they coming out of that southeast corner still? So this is this is a different woodlot from that southeast corner. Okay. This is like one this is one about a quarter mile to the west. Okay. Is what the way it plays out, or way it plays out. So this is like I call it my honey hole wood lot because it's one of the better. Like I have the two set. I have two setups. I have one on the north side of it for my souths and west that I usually hunt, and then this one I hunt on the north. Um. So I I access from the neighbors to across or from the neighbors, and we ended up having like those northeast winds, and um. Gotcha. The way it was playing was so to south of me was even sta was standing corn too that usually is off by now because they they chop it for silage for cows, so usually it is off, but with these northeast winds it was just cutting the corner of the corn to the, to the south of me so I felt it was still a little bit risky I felt but at the same point I felt you know still pretty confident with it. Gotcha. Uh, how'd you get how'd you get access from the neighbors? Did you just ask? Yeah, or I just asked and. Yeah, I just asked them, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, it don't seem like a problem." But now that I kill the deer, it's now that I kill the deer, it's a problem. So <laughs> that's a whole different ordeal now. But you know, um, you know, yeah, that's that's how it goes, man. That's yeah. how it goes. Like that's uh, I had one guy who I talked to recently, and he was like, "Yeah, man, it's uh, actually the story I'm thinking of of uh, is this guy named Derek, and he was on the podcast last year." And I think it happened to him where he asked permission on a property, got permission in the first year he killed a giant. And then after that, they were like, nah, my cousin's brother-in-law's boyfriend's yeah. coming out here to hunt. You can't hunt anymore. You know, it's like, Jesus. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or whatever yeah. it is. So, yeah, it's like, you know, I talked to the, the, the owner, the lady, and she's, you know, I, I see her all the time. She's always walking up and down the road. Anytime I'm getting dressed at the truck, she's, super friendly i talked to her every time that done even still like afterwards i talked to her and she's like yeah i don't see a problem with it but then it's she's got the boys where they, they don't they have a cow farm there and he's like well we got this kid that's been working for us for a while he's a hard worker he deserves a spot to hunt like i understand but at the same point too i'm like god dang it you know like you're not you're really screwing me for type of thing for hunting on two stands <laughs> right so, yeah exactly because you never yeah. know where they're gonna set up now <laughs> yeah and and really, like my two stands, it's like I could access from my side, but I have the woodlots on my side. So it's like if anything is in those woodlots, I'm more likely to be picked out walking across the field on my side than I would be coming from from their side. Yeah. So there is another yeah. neighbor to the south there too that kind of butts up to them. I'm trying to work on maybe I can come in from his because his is just all field over there too. So hopefully I won't be completely screwed now, but um yeah. that's a whole that's a whole nother thing you know <laughs> um all right so yeah i'm just trying to i'm i'm trying to pick apart your your setup 
Because entry and exit exit is something a lot of people don't talk about. A lot of successful owners don't talk about, but it's it's very uh, uh, very important to their setup. Right? Oh very yeah, prominent. Like you have to enter and exit like properly. Um, yeah, I mean, you you go in there and you bump one deer going in, yeah, it, it can just ruin you. You know, and then especially getting out, you start getting out, even though it may not be the deer you're after. It's just a little bit more education, a little bit more education. He might have been that earshot of those deer busting out there and him going, okay, why aren't, why aren't they going in there? Or, you know, and for example, like, a, you know, on a spot like that, I'm calling it a food plot or whatever. It's brush hot corn. Well, when you start educating deer and then they start going in there less and less and less, well, then your odds of that, that deer you're after going in there is give you less and less and less too because them bigger mature deer it's like basically they have a reason why they're going somewhere and if our deer aren't doing it they're probably not gonna be doing it either you know if there's a bunch of deer in there go, you know going in there nice calm and doing their thing there's probably a good chance that he'll pop in there too but if you don't got deer going in there that i don't know if he's really go- going to you know right yeah yeah i i definitely agree like yeah if there's nothing else there you know, every now and then you have those bucks that are like total loners. They like their own trails. They like their yeah. own areas. But yeah, I mean, I, I I agree. And the other thing a lot of people don't think about is like the year over year education. Yeah. Right. Like if you edu- like you you mess around and you bump a forky or a little spike buck, you're like, oh, whatever. And, you know, the next year, then you bump this same basket rack, but you don't know it's the basket rack. And you're like, oh, whatever. And then third year, he's a giant you know, he's looking pretty darn good. He's 140 inch 10 point. And you're like, dude, I want to kill him, but he's fairly nocturnal at this point or something like that. Or he knows where you're coming from or where you're going to. And you're like, man, I get pictures of him, but it's always after dark. Dude, you taught him, you taught him not to go there during the daylight. What do yeah. you expect? You know, for two years, three years, doesn't take long for them to learn. Cause for them, like it's, it's literally life and death. And for us, for us, it's not. Yeah. So, yeah. If I, if I bump a deer going in, I'll, I'm cussing myself out. Basically, you know, like, like you, you know, I'm the type of guy that will sit there. If I got deer in front of me, I'll sit there an hour after dark if I have to type of thing. And like, yeah. just so that way I cannot educate deer. And, you know, it's so the way this, like the way that like where that brush hot corn is, is kind of a, you know, a rectangle. Well, my stand is about, 70 yards off the wood edge just because of, from what i watched a lot of times these deer would come out of that woods and they'd cut that corner and then hit the fence line and work down the fence line so they're always kind of hitting that fence line about that 70 to 100 yards when like you know when it's just let's say it's beans or whatever it may be they wouldn't really you know they wouldn't walk that that l shape i guess they'd always kind of cut that corner so that's where they would always come in so i got I'm basically right on the edge of this rectangle, um, you know, that I brush hogged out and majority of it's all back towards the woods. So I got, I think probably 60 yards, the woods of brush hog corn. So with that Northeast wind, you know, it was working in my favor to where if anything was to the East of me, you know, they were on, you know, those deer, when I say I was getting out there when at dark, still with deer in, in the plot, they were still, they were on that far east end of it type of thing. So there was still quite a bit, you know, quite a bit of room between me and them. So how far is it from the stand that you set up to like the edge of the brush hog corn? Um, 
literally right underneath me because I'm literally on okay. the fence row. I'm literally I'm on the fence row, and I left maybe two rows of standing corn on okay. the edge of the fence row. All right, and the other side of that is sixty yards out. Yeah, the far side would have been sixty okay. yards out. So gotcha. I basically brought out forty. I did like a rectangle, like I said, it was like forty yards out, straight out from me. And then I did like 10 yards past me. And then the, the far end towards the woods was about 60 yards. Gotcha. Okay. All right, cool. I'm just trying to think this, envision this in my head, right? Yeah. So then set up the stand. So what type of, um, I'm not trying to like make you plug a product, but I want to know <laughs> like what type of stand setup are you using? Like what type of sticks and stand? Cause I have to imagine getting out of there without making a single Creek is extremely important when they're out in that field. So that was pretty much just like you're basically your your standard climbing sticks from Menards or wherever, you know, and then like I had a Millennium stand up there. That's pretty much what, how that whole farm is set up. It's all pre-hung stuff to where I've hunt, like I said, I've hung that farm long enough yeah. where I got my spots figured out where these deer, you know, kind of go and come and go from. But also at the same point, too, there's there's plenty of other spots where I'd love to have a stand. And I know like if I had a stand there, I could kill deer, but. I just know I can't get in and out of there type of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like, I, like the first couple of years I was out there, I probably had 10 different stands. I mean, it was 600 acres and you say like, Oh, 600 acres. You should, you could have 20 stands out there, but I narrowed it down to literally five. Or I think there's six stands out there now, just because of the way that I, you know, these are the stands I know I can get in and out of um, without bumping. And then they're also in the spots where, you know, I know deer eventually are going to, you know, at some point or another, they're going to work by those spots too. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I didn't, like, I didn't know if you, if the rise was using specific stands or anything like that, but dude, I have a few of those sets of the Menards climbing sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have fleet farm climbing sticks and they work yes. pretty darn good. Like I'm pretty happy with them. I didn't know if you had like some sort of system yeah. that you like to use or anything like that, but yeah, dude, I like if you, whatever is quiet, Right. So there, there's a yeah. set of sticks that I have and I bought like, I don't know, five sets of four for them. So I got 20 sticks in total and I went to, and I hung those in like four different stands um, a couple years ago. And when those things get cold, they creak like a mother yeah. and I am not. Yeah. Like I've, I've done you, I've pulled them all. There's one set still hung up. Um, but it's coming down this year. Like, I'm not going to use it at all this year. It's coming down right away and I'm going to hang something else there. But like that, just like some of the spots I have to get in in order to get there, kind of like what you're saying, I need to be really quiet. I'm outside bedding areas. Generally it's a quieter, more like it's a morning sit. So generally there's very little wind. Yeah. You get there and you step on it and you got all your metal on, like, you know, you got your, your, your ring off, you, you got, <laughs> you know, all your stuff tightened up. So you're not going to cling and clang. And then you get to it, it's like every step. And you're just like, oh my God, what am I? Do I run up this thing and just make as much noise as possible to (laughs) stop? Or do I go really slow and just drag this out? How do I rip this bandaid off? Right. It's one of those scenarios. But so here's uh, a question for you. Here's a question for you. When you're using them sticks, are you just using like those like cheap pull tight straps that they got that they come with? Are you using like ratchet straps? The cheap pull tights. Okay, so I don't, I throw them right out the window and I ratchet strap them too. Cause a lot of times, like I've noticed, like the noise that I'm getting that, you, that you're talking about, a lot of times that's usually like the sticks moving on the tree for me, is what I've always noticed. So now okay. I just use ratchet straps and ratchet tra- strap them as tight as I can to that tree as possible. 
And it's, I mean, every now and then you still, obviously you'll get those little creaks and da da da. But for the most part, it's kind of eliminated a lot of that for me in that aspect. All right. I will, I will try <laughs> that. That is entirely yeah. possible that it could be the straps. So yeah. thank you. That would like, I, I've already sold a bunch of them, but for these ones that I still have <laughs> remaining, it'd be really nice to keep them. So yeah, it's um, worth a shot. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it is. I have the ratchet straps. Saying, They're yeah, sitting I'm around. Not, I'm not saying that it, that's going to fix it, but that's kind of what I've always noticed is, I mean, granted, yes, I know you, you do get, you know, products that are going to make, you know, make noises and stuff. But anytime I've really noticed it's been the, whatever it is, the stand or the sticks, it's been it shifting on the tree itself, making the noise and, and so that's why, like, you know, I've even like, you know, tree stands come with, the, you know, all their straps and I just throw them right out the window and I just go straight ratchet straps and try to ratchet strap them to as tight as I possibly can to that tree. And gotcha. it, it works, but like I said, I still, you still run into it every now and then. But okay. No, no, I'm going to give, yeah. Now that you say that, I'm going to give it a try. I, I It could be entirely the case. So <laughs> If every if anybody out there is listening to this and this is all you get out of this and it saves your ass from having to sell your shit or I mean just the creaking alone might kill you a deer. So yeah. that's awesome. No, I, I appreciate that. If anybody else out there has any uh any advice, hit me on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that for for stands that cre- or sticks that creak. The stands are great. It's the sticks I need to work with, but yeah. I could see those straps just like getting really cold on like cold mornings where it's like 20 degrees or 10 degrees or something. And they're like, just like kind of rubbing on that metal and they just make that creaky sound. Yeah. Uh, better. I mean, better. It's your sticks moving on the tree itself. Cause you can never get them pulse tight straps as tight as you, you know, as no. tight as you'd really want them to. No, I mean, I don't care how many times you yank and pull on them. You still can't get them that tight. <laughs> right. So. Okay. That's fair enough. All right. So uh, back to the story. So you got your, you got your setup, you got your stand, your sticks, um, entry exits kind of covered. I imagine like fence line, once you get down, you're kind of booking it out of there and you're walking straight away and you got a, a bunch of cover there too. So you should be fine as well. Um, first night you saw a bunch of deer, second night you saw a bunch of deer and now we're into the third night. Yeah. So third night, you know, at that point, I'm already like, all right, I hunt the spot twice. Like, I really shouldn't go back in there type thing. I can't, you know, I just, like I said, I'm a very cautious hunter and almost, almost too cautious at times type thing where it's sure it's may have hindered me before or anything like that. But I just, the last thing I want to do is educate deer. And um, so anyways, yeah, I'm at work and I can drive you home from work and I'm looking at time and I'm like, I'm like, man, I couldn't make it out there. And it's, it's warming up each day. It's basically warming up type of thing. And, um, and I'm just like, you know, I shouldn't, and I was already told, I already basically told myself, I'm not going to go hunt tonight. It's like, I know I could probably get out there. And like, I literally get back to the shop and I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Like, I'm like, I got to run home. I got to grab my camera. I got to grab my wireless mics and stuff like that. But I'm like, like I timed this out right. I could still be in the tree by four o'clock. I haven't been, you know, most activity I've been seeing is about four. It starts at about four thirty, and uh, I'm just like, whatever, screw it, let's go, you know. And um, so that night, I actually, step take a step back. I woke up that morning. I literally had all three bucks that I want to shoot on camera at some on one camera at some point in the night. So that um, that night, actually, I had. I had my big eight and my big 10 on camera and the, and the one 
brush hog spot. And then a little bit later in the morning, probably would have been about 5.30-ish, I had him in the in the other, in the other spot that I ended up hunting. I had him there. So I'm like, well, they can't be far type of thing. And then sure enough, I ended up getting a picture that uh, I called him Goofy is what he was. And uh, I had a picture of him in the original spot that we talked about in the southeast corner of my farm in the creek. I had a picture of him at 6 o'clock in the morning. And it was him actually coming out of where I suspect them to always be betting over there on the neighbor's Christmas tree farm. So I was like, well, if he's coming out of there, he's probably not going to be betting in there type of thing. So it's like, you know, and this is the next closest woodlot. And, you know, it's all standing corn over in that, in that Southeast corner. I'm like, here's a chance he could be in that corn or the woodlot that I'm going to is the next closest one, which I've had, you know, I had pictures of him on that tree line, like, you know, the day before season, a couple of days before season. So I'm like, there's a good chance that he could end up going to that woodlot type of thing. And um, so anyways, yeah, I'm like, you know, I get all them. And even still, I'm like, with all those bitches, I'm like, no, I'm not going hunting at night. I'm not going hunting tonight, you know. And then as the last minute, I'm like, all right, screw it. Let's go. You know, like I, I just hurried up, ran home, grabbed my stuff, ran, got out there, got out there in, in the tree by four o'clock. And, um, you know, it wasn't, <clears throat> probably wasn't almost until about, 5 30 that night i saw the first does because i mean i figured it was warming up so i wasn't surprised you know it was like they you know it was a little bit later um movement started a little bit later and um had a couple does trickle in da, da, da. and then i can kind of see the woodlot edge off to my west which is about 800 yards at that point you know or somewhere roughly around there and it was about 6 30 i could see some deer start kind of trickling out on the edge of there and um i'm over there watching and i'm like i see a good buck or i see a buck and i see another one and i'm staring at the one that you know they're so far away where i don't know if you ever get in a scenario where it's like a deer so far away they look like they're bigger than what they actually are oh, <laughs> so yeah. i'm like hi oh, it's like he looks good but i don't think it's one of my the one of the ones i'm going after type of thing so then, you know, I'm just kind of trying to wash that edge, as, and, you know, and I get some deer trickling in by me, you know, some smaller bucks and does, and I just kept watching, peeking over that, you know, that far woodlot edge, and um, sure enough, all of a sudden I look, and I kind of look through the leaves of the trees, and, you know, some of the trees along the fence around, I see a deer further to the south than the other ones, I'm like, holy shit, there he is, so I was like, there's Goofy, and, you know, I'm like, I'm like, that's cool, I get to see him, but, uh, He's 800 yards away, you know, type of thing. <laughs> so then I see him, you know, I keep peeking over there, kind of keep, you know, keep looking at him. I'm like, hey, you know, it's cool to see him, da, da, da. But obviously, like, I should have been at my other stand down the fence row, which was like, you know, about hard yards, you know, it was hard yards off that wood edge. And I'm like, I should have been in that stand type thing. And um, so I'm sitting there watching him. And then the big eight, I see another buck over there. And then I'm watching him. And it ends up being like the big, I call him the big eight, which is another one that was kind of on my list. And he pops out with Goofy. And they start, they're just pushing each other back and forth type of thing, you know, sparring and pushing each other back and forth. I'm like, oh, that's cool. But should have been our stand, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, like, you know, I got to see him, but picked the wrong spot. And, um, for whatever reason, and all of a sudden, like, well, you know, I'm kind of trying to keep, I like, keep eyes on the, you know, in front of me because there's still a deer in front of me type thing. And uh, I happen to glance back over there again, and also I see the field just clearing over there. I'm like, what the heck? 
I'm like, I have no idea why, yeah. but the field just clears over there. So then meanwhile, I got like, you know, five, you know, five or six deer in front of me. And just, you know, a couple minutes later, all of a sudden out of nowhere, one just blows and boof, clears in front of me. I'm like, what the heck? You know, like no idea why. And like earlier or so, like at that, that day, it was like super, super calm. So I had some does come out on the far edge of the plot and they'd be out there just milling around, eating, eating, eating. And then it was weird because all of a sudden they kind of picked their head up and it's like they could smell something. Like I was so worried about my thermals that day, you know, type yeah. thing or with no wind or like shit stuff, just kind of like drifting around and they would like pick their head up and they'd like kind of come towards me like they could smell something and they would come in and then they'd be like, oh, kind of really edgy. And then they'd call them back down. I had two does do that i'm like i'm like i it was to the point where i'm like I, i'm like god i'm almost just like i, I need to get out of here type thing like yeah like I was, I'm, not, I'm not one to, i'm not yeah i'm not one to really do that but i was just I was so nervous so anyways my few my that other fuel clears my little plot clears and now i'm like really scratching my head like what the heck um so i'm sitting there i I've, it was weird because i always had like kind of this dead period like the, the two nights before I'd have this dead period, basically between five 30 and six 30 where I'm like, well, is that all I'm going to see type thing? Da, da, da. It was always like that little bit of dead period. So it was probably, I want to say around seven, seven 15. My cell camera goes off by the other stand down, down the fence row. And I get, I look at, you know, I pulled up, look at my phone. I got like two deer running through it. I'm like, all right, you know, well, the last couple of nights, anytime I've had that happen, those deer usually have ended up right by me a few minutes later. So I'm looking at the deer and I'm like, eh, they look like smaller ones type of thing. So I'm sitting there and about 15 minutes go by or so. And then all of a sudden I hear them kind of start coming through the corn down the fence row. The first one pops out. I'm like, okay, small buck. The second one pops out. And it's, a, it's, a ten, it's a 10 point. <clears throat> it's a 10 point I had in front of me the night before, like a good two-year-old. I'm like, all right, cool, you know, and then all of a sudden, like, like, oh, shit, there's the, you know, the big eight, all of a sudden the big eight pops out, I'm like, oh, shit, all right, things are getting real now type thing, yeah. and then, like, right behind him was Goofy, and I'm like, holy crap, but here we go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and these deer, when they pop out, they're literally at, like, 10 yards type of thing, and that's when they come from, when they come from the west, because I didn't really brush hog much past me, so they pop out, and they're, like, at 10 yards, I'm like, all right, and, um, so, you know, everything, that's when everything just, you know, you're in your head, you're like, oh, sh you're like, here we go. You know, trying to get all the cameras, get, get GoPro on, get the cameras on, um, da, 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 grab my bow and all this stuff. And so they come in and I don't even, basically, I just lose focus every other deer besides Goofy type thing. And um, so he comes in, he basically comes in quick and he stops and he's just sitting there eating, head down. They're all in there with their head down, eating, da, da, da. And I got the camera on them. And um, a camera can see him perfectly fine. But as I'm standing, there's some branches kind of um, hanging down, kind of blocking like the top half of them. So I'm sitting there just filming them, kind of waiting. I'm like, at this point, I'm like trying to tell myself, like, I got all the time in the world. Like, I have all the time in the world. But in the back of my head, I'm going, there's no wind. My thermals are pretty much, you know, pulling straight down to the base of this tree. And they're at 10 yards. And those does earlier, I'm like, you know trying to like you know like going through my head like basically like oh my god like nervous you know nervous but at the same point i'm trying to like you got all the time in the world but they could catch it one could catch your thermals and just 
so then I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm like, all right, camera's on. He's just kind of sitting there for a minute and in the same spot, just eating. And I'm like, camera's on him. I'm like, I'm going to try it. So I come to full draw and I end up having to like crouch down. And uh, he's at, he's at like 14 yards right now. So I end up having to crouch down. I'm like, all right, I can, I can get below this branch and type of thing. I'm like, I can get below this branch. Um, so I end up shooting and, um, initial I'm like, Oh, that was high. I'm like that, you know, like, I'm like that was high was my initial reaction. So everything starts scattering type of thing. And, um, so he goes run, they all scatter towards the woods and he runs out and he's at, you know, runs out and he's like in the wide open at this point. So I'm spinning the camera and I'm like, and he stops. So I'm like, Oh crap. So I'm like trying to grab another arrow, keep the camera on him, get another arrow, get another arrow knocked. Rain dummies at 45. And I'm just like, I'm like, well, you know, like, like it's like, I'm pretty sure that arrow hit, you know, initially I thought like it hit him, but it was high. But then how he ran and just like stopped, you know, he ran like maybe 30 yards and stopped. And I was like, did I miss him? So that's why I was like scattered brain, grabbing our, grabbing our, you know, range of 45. I'm like, well, got to try type thing. So get the camera spun on him, draw back again. He starts to take a few more steps. So it's like, all right, put my 50 right on him. And I let 50 go on him and just literally, I watched it just most, I couldn't have made a better shot in my life ever type thing. I just watched <laughs> it perfect, perfectly at 50 yards. You know, he was quartering away and just sat or punched him. And at that point, you know, it's just like, holy crap. Like that, how did that, how did that just happen? And I just smoked him at 50 yards type thing. Like, like I practice a lot of yard, you know, like, like I honestly probably shoot 50 yards you know, at, at my house, I shoot 50 yards 90% of the time. You know, I don't really like those, those closer ranges is like, you know, I can do that. You know, I do, like, I can do those. No problem. Usually I can do them blindfold, but I'm always practicing at 50, 60, 70, 80, you know, as I'm always yeah, practicing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, theoretically I have my 30, basically I have my pen set up 30, 40, 50. Cause I'm like, I'm never going to shoot at a deer over 50 yards. And even if I do is shoot a deer at 50 yards, I it's gotta be a perfect scenario type thing. But at that point, it's like, I knew, like, I was like, an arrow was in them. And, you know, I was like, I put a second arrow in them. And it was like, I, I gotta try type of thing. But when I watched that arrow just literally sink in perfectly, it's just like, holy cow. <laughs> you know? Yeah, dude. Um, I feel like regardless of uh, what deer it is or anything like that, if you get a second shot at a deer, you're like, all your adrenaline just like seeps right out of you. And that second shot, you always feel a lot better about you're like, ah, I get yeah. it. Like, like you're not, you don't have nearly the buck fever. You're not yeah. freaking out as much. You, it feels like this like moment is Zen, you know, you're like, got yeah. it. Send yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had that happen three years ago too. You know, the same thing. I, or like I missed the buck at 20 yards maybe and then he circled back around at 35 and i put one in i'm type of thing it's like <laughs> like yeah. i don't know what it is but <laughs> and people are like how do you keep your composure i'm like i i it's like you know they're like how do you keep your composure for a second shot it's like i don't know if it's just because I, I just everything you just almost like blank out to where everything else doesn't matter versus you know besides getting that second shot on them or, or what it is but I don't know. It's just when I watched that arrow sink in, it was just like, oh, my that's God. awesome. Smoke, smoke city type. There's not a single slightest doubt in my mind. 
you know, so I'm out there doing all my celebrating, da da da. And, you know, I, I, you know, he pinwheeled out there, and like no doubt in my mind, I heard a big loud crash at the owner thing. So I was like, he's got to be dead there. And, you know, so I called Tyler, and like literally, I called Tyler, and he's like, he's like, no, you didn't. I was like, yep, shot him. And, you know, type of thing. That sucker had a picture, sent me a picture of his truck hooked up to the trailer and Ranger when it's on his way before I was even out of the tree. <laughs> and he he lives like an hour, you know, he lives an hour away, but that's kind of our thing, you know, since we all film all our hunts, is like, you know, we try to be there for at least for you know, we do a lot of self-filming in Michigan and pretty much in general, but like in Michigan, we try any way possible to kind of be there for the recovery, you know, for footage wise and just to be there, you know, yeah. buddies and be there. But it's like it was like holy crap, you know. And he sent me that. I was like, dude, he ain't joking. And he was out hunting that night too. And it's like he was already back to the house and on his way before I was even on the tree. Oh, that's awesome. That's that's fun to have a friend like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, he, yeah, you pinwheeled him, and uh, he took off, and then yeah, you can keep telling you. I mean, you head back, meet up with Tyler, go back out, pick him up. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's basically like, you know, I, I got to wait for him. So I go back, like my girlfriend, she lives literally probably five minutes from my farm. So, you know, I go back there, wait on him. He shows up and like, he's kind of like, you know, kind of like, you sure? Da, da, da. And I'm like, I'm like, there's no doubt in my mind. Like, I was just like, a, I was a hundred times percent confident in that shot type of thing. And like showed him, then I end up showing him the footage and he's like, yep, all right, let's go. You know, like. Cause like we do that, you know, we're, we're super cautious with each other, you know, especially cause like we do, we went through that in North Dakota earlier, you know, in September type thing where we had some marginal hits out there, but we had, you know, try, we're, you know, we're, we're always bouncing off each other type of thing just to try to make sure. Cause you know how it is, you get caught up in the moment sometimes where you just want to go in there and get the beer, but it's always good to have that kind of that other person on your shoulder. Like, uh, I don't know, maybe we should wait, you know, just to kind of put you back in the reality check as much as you hate it. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, it's always going to be better. You're always going to be better off doing that versus going in and pushing the beer. Um, so yeah, yeah. Anyways, he shows that's up. a great, that's a great point to make. I just like to just real quick. I have a friend who shot a buck at 45 this year and he was like, yep, ran, I shot him in a field. He ran further out in the field, stood there for a while, laid back down. I just sat there. I shot him an hour before light dark stood back up and he walked into the woods and then when he walked into the woods, um, he, uh, I could see him bed back down. So he's like, I got out of there, but I'm going to go back in there at like midnight and I'm going to go get him. And I was like, dude, I, if I were you personally, like, don't yeah. like if he's dead at midnight, he's going to be dead at 6am. Like, you're yeah. not going to gain, are you, are you trying? Do you, is there a reason you need to be there at midnight or do you just want to? He's like, oh, no, yeah. I just want to. So he ended up going in at 6 a.m., not finding him right away, called the blood tracker, and that buck ran a mile, and he never found him. Yes. So he's, you know, so he was just like, dude, I don't know what happened. But I was like, dude, if you, it would have been worse. It would have been much worse if you would have kicked him up at midnight, right? Yeah. And, you know, and you probably would have screwed up the blood trail, and the dog might have not never been able to get on him or whatever. So it's just kind of one of those things, like, if they're dead, they're dead. Don't worry about it as long as it's cold, yeah. right? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what I mean. I, you know, like when we were in North Dakota, like I said, you know, so we had some virtual shots and it's basically like, you know, I kept preaching to Tyler because 
he had one is like, all right, if he's going to be dead, he's going to be there dead in the morning. Like, there's no reason to go in and get him. But the, our biggest worry when we were out there was coyotes. Yeah. You know, like they were, you know, they were pretty hot and heavy out there. So thankfully, like both me and him ended up letting deer sit overnight. And thankfully, we both got lucky and didn't have coyotes get to him. So, nice. but it's just, you know, that was, that was more so the worry in our head out there than it was whether or not the deer being there. It's like we knew. We knew with our shots that those deer were going to be dead, but it was just we were more worried about coyotes than anything, and we got you know we're very yeah. fortunate on it, on those. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. So anyway, so anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Tyler shows up. Um, we go out there and pull up to you know pull up to the cut corn there, and I'm trying to figure out exactly where he was standing on that second shot, so I can kind of start from there. And Tyler finds one one drop of blood. I'm like, okay, well, at least we got a starting point. And literally from that point forward, it was like a you know a blind man could have ran that blood trail to him type of thing. It was just, it literally is. It just wasn't you know we switched we switched to helix fixed blade this year. And I mean, kind of we were both expandables before, so switching to fixed blade, we we're kind of a little bit nervous on like a smaller cut and what the blood trails would be like. But I mean, it was just it, 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 I it was just as good as any fixed blade out there type thing, you know, is, um, so anyways, yeah, we tracked them probably 70 yards and, and if that and walked right up to them and, you know, it was all that's awesome. hero, hero, hero shots and the high fives from there. <laughs> yes. Did you hit him on the first shot? I did, but the way it ended up being is it, it literally was a backstrap type shot where just, um, it ended up being so high that it was just above the spine and, you know, and just basically in that back strap meat is all it would have been. So the deer wasn't, it was a non-lethal shot. The deer would end up living from it. Um, but you know, like my first initial, you know, reaction was it was high, but I didn't believe it was that high. Um, until, you know, after everything all kind of played out, that's what I kind of was thinking. And then when I watched, you know, and at first I was kind of thinking like, maybe I missed him on that first shot. Maybe I didn't see, but then like when I got my arrow down there, like it was like coated, but it was coated in like that super like kind of fatty residue type thing. There's like no blood on it. So yeah. then I was kind of like, okay, like it's obviously higher than what I thought. And then watched footage back and kind of confirmed. And then obviously once we got our hands on them, you know, I was able to see the hole on them. And it was hundred percent back, you know, just backstrap where, I've, I've seen it before a thousand times or not a thousand times, but I've seen it before, you know, with plenty of other people and I've done it myself too, you know, where you just hit that bat, you know, you, all you're doing is just hitting that meat right above the spine there. And them deer usually they'll bleed for a pretty decent amount to give you a little bit of hope, but eventually it just ends up, you know, drying up and them deer usually, you know, you'll get a picture of them later, you know, later on in the season. Right. Yeah. On our elk hunt just got back from that's, that's one of the guys hit the guys hit no man's land, right? Yeah. Just tenderloin shot. And, uh, and it was, it was tough. Cause he was like, cause one of the guys was like, dude, I'm pretty sure you, you hit no man's land. And he was like, no, 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 no. That was like high <laughs> long. That thing's dead. And he's like, no, like, I'm, I saw that arrow go in, dude, you're probably no man's land. And we ended up, uh, we ended up tracking him for like 800 yards and he, and just, and that elk, took off over a hill we lost blood went out into like this open area on top of a mountain and just we lost it in there um 
but we're like, dude, he started out in a meadow. He ran 800 yards uphill with minimal blood loss, no bubbles in the blood. Like, it's not, it's not a long shot, dude. He's definitely yeah. just no man's land. Yeah. <laughs> Like I said, they gave you just enough blood for hope, but then eventually it just trickles out. It's literally a game of inches at that point. So, I mean, like, for me, it was like an inch too high on that first shot. You know, inch lower it was spined them. And then, like, for that one, it sounds like it was basically like an inch low. I mean, you literally have, like, a game of inches right there type thing where, where you can hit and the deer not die. You know, another yeah. another two inches lower, he might have been top of the lung, like, you're, like he was thinking. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, full pass through, found the arrow, and it was just like, that doesn't look good, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, that's awesome, dude. That is a that's a really cool hunt. So then, um, so I guess going forward, like, are you still hunting that property, or is that like when do you, when when do you consider the end of like early season? Because you said um, that that property is only good early, right? Or just during bow season, so it's good. Okay, it's sorry. good all the way up until the until gun season comes in. So okay, I'm gonna continue to hunt out there. So, um, like I went out there this weekend because we obviously had that cold front push through, and you know, surprisingly things were quite a bit slower this weekend. And um, honestly, afterwards I was I was kind of a nervous wreck because I had I have a ten point that um that I really want to focus on too. The basically goofy in this time where. They were basically, they were both right there at the top of my list. Like, you know, like, obviously the 10 points could be bigger, you know, whatnot. But just the, the cool characteristic of this one, they were basically tied right there with number one. You know, it's yeah. like either one of them I would be more than happy with. So, you know, I was after that night, I was kind of a nervous wreck because I knew from that more hemp pitches at 10 that morning. I was like, I knew he had to be somewhere in that area. And um, so it was a nervous wreck afterwards. Like basically, like, did, I blow, did I blow him out when we went in there and got him? And um, ended up getting a picture of him. Oh, it was that Friday night? Friday night, I got a picture of him. So it was good to get a picture and know that he's still around. So he's kind of gonna be my main focus from here on out. And um, you know, like I said, I hunt, hunt that cold front, but um, I'll probably hold out now until a little bit later, until the latter part of October. Um, until I start going back in there, unless my cameras tell me otherwise. So, gotcha. And are your cameras still doing well on the on the cut corn? They've kind of they've slowed down. To be a hundred percent honest, they've slowed down. I don't know if it's maybe because, um, you know, they hammered them. You know, there there's smaller spots that I did. So I mean, there's only so much food that kind of got knocked down, and the way they hammered them two weeks before season and and whatnot so i don't know if kind of the food's kind of starting to dry up a little bit or not but either way i know um once we start getting more of that 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 pre-rut time frame those are still still really good spots regardless just for trap for travel areas so i'm not too yeah. concerned at this point they they kind of they played their part i'm thinking at this point they played their part and did what they were supposed to and um so now it's basically, you know, you know how things start to get a little bit more hectic when when the rut starts coming around, and I'll start focusing on those on those other spots where, you know, from year after year they kind of produce. So yeah, so but, then yeah, that's my that's my point from here. Okay, so yeah, it, um, what was it? Oh man, I lost my train of thought. I had a good, I had a good question. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, you'd said uh, I was about the picked corn, the brush. Oh, um, so when you brush hogged your corn, when you dumped it, how fast did they start hitting it? Was it like that night or was it like four days later or a week later? I would say, honestly, probably within the next day or two, they started hitting it pretty good. Um, and then it just kind of, you know, seemed like it almost a little picked up a little bit more from, you know, from there. And, um, you know, so for example, like my, mine was, you know, is they were hitting it hard. And then like, so, you know, Tyler and our buddy Isaiah, they, they did some food plots with corn and stuff like that too. And they started seeing how good mine was doing. So Tyler just brush hogged his after I killed them. You know, Isaiah did his, and they've they've been having deer just starting to pile in and hammer theirs now too. So, um, you know, like I say, it's just it's. I wish I could. I wish I could do more, but at the same point too, it's like obviously, like I got to pay the farmer for that for those crops that I'm cutting down. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's you know, and then if I start doing more, then I'm just gonna start opening up up bigger areas where it's gonna start. You know, I'm gonna start running the risk of um deer not being in that bow range that i that i want them to so um i'm pretty much like I said they did their they did their part i got lucky and you know timed everything out good and they did their part and now i'm just gonna kind of focus on those pre-rut spots and start focusing on where those does mainly are and whatnot too and go from there yeah so then um next year like you you brush hog that corn two weeks before season started are you mm-hmm. going to still brush hog it two weeks before? Or are you going to go ahead and like brush hog it like three days before? I don't know. Cause I was nervous going in there two weeks before season. You know, cause like I said, I, I like to stay the heck out of my farm. I was really nervous going in there before. Um, so, and, I mean, it's really going to depend too. I mean, I guess with the crop rotation next year, it's really going to depend on where the corn's at and how it lays out. Um, if I even do it, you know, um i may just you know because next year it won't be corn in those spots so i'll probably just go back to doing my food plots in those spots but um if there's corn in other areas where i feel like there's a good chance i'll i'll do it again and i may i I think i'll probably stick with doing it either two weeks i'll do either two weeks or a week before before season comes in um just because i do want to do it before season and um, the way our, you know, ours doesn't come in October 1st. So I feel like you, you got like that, basically that first week to still maybe catch them a little bit on a, on a, um, summer routine, we'll say. Right. Um, but then after that, it seems like it kind of falls off your odds fall off a little bit more. So it's just kind of a very situational dependent type of thing. And this year, the way everything just kind of laid out, it, it ended up laying out perfect for me and, and working out to how, you know, exactly how I envisioned it type thing. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. I just wanted to ask, pick your brain on those couple questions quick. Um, if anybody, again, if anybody else has that opportunity, I know we don't have any egg on our farm anymore, but, um, the neighbors do. And I, and I, the neighbor, the same farmer farms, everything around us. So I could talk to him about knocking some crops and, and uh, he has all egg and we have the woods. So all the deer bed in the woods, right? And then they come out to that to that egg. So that might be something that that I might be interested in doing. Um, going forward, you said you're kind of focusing on more of the pre-rut spots um, and the does are, and you also said you have like six spots on the farm that really like produce that you can enter and exit. 
what do those uh, spots that look like for pre-rut and does, what do those look like? Um, so the, the other other spot that I that I brushed on corn on the north side of this wood lot is basically, I call it the finger because there's, um, so basically there's a creek that runs through, which is my axis. I, I walk down the creek and um, so there's a, there's a little pocket that comes into the woods. So on one side you have the creek that kind of creates a line with the trees. And then there's a pocket that comes in and then a little finger of woods that comes out about 150, 200 yards. So it creates like a little like inside pocket, I guess you could say. Um, so a lot of times those deer, uh, those bucks specifically, they'll, when they're doing the rotations, like during, you know, pre-rut rut time frame, they, around my area, they basically just go wood lots, wood lots, wood lot. So that creates a little bit more of a, that finger creates a little bit longer of a period for them to stay in cover when they're because like I said it's a lot of open ag area so at some point or another they're going they're in the open going from woodlot to woodlot but it just gives them a little bit more cover um you know in between transition from areas type thing so that one's always worked out pretty good for me um just to the south of that stand there's a little little thicket um that holds a lot of the does too so they'll you usually catch them cruising through they'll check that little thicket and then they'll work their way out through that finger in the cover um, so there's that one. And then um, a lot of the other ones are just kind of basically set up on either, creek, on either the creek line or fence rows, you know, just trying to get those deer a little bit more of that cover when they're, when they're transitioned from, you know, from what lot to what lot type thing. So. Gotcha. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. Just wanted to, I was just curious about those couple other spots. Cause that's obviously the, uh, the time frame we have coming up here. It's going to, this mm-hmm. podcast will air on October 10th. So, you know, Roland, I personally consider the pre-rut to kind of like the early pre-rut is October 15th and it rolls for the two weeks, um, October 15th, essentially to, to Halloween. And then for me, November 1st starts the rut. So yeah, no, awesome. Um, any other, any other tips? We're at like an hour and a half here. Any other thoughts that you think might be relevant for anybody else out there? Anything that you thought played key role to your success? Ozonix um, or scent lock or scent shield or scent something or other. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, I'm pretty like straightforward guy as far as, you know, just play the win. Um, you know, obviously like I, you know, I'll do a um, like scent crusher and stuff like that. Just kind of help. Um, let's say keep my stuff in somewhat check, you know, to where it's not getting too bad. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'll use those jammer too, going in and out. I mean, I spray that on my boots going in and out, but I mean, not, no, no giant secrets. Yeah, I, I've been a pretty firm believer on that as far as going in and out and spraying it on my boots. I've, you know, I, I used to have deer when they'd come through and hit my, you know, hit your scent trail and then instantly wig out versus now they kind of, they'll check it out for a second, but that's really about it. Yeah, dude, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the jammer. I'm a fan. I sprayed my son with it the other night. He's like, dad, what are you doing? What are you doing? Stop. What are you doing? And I was like, don't worry. Cause the, that little four point that we saw when it came through, um, I, it was, it was heading around us to get downwind of a, like it yeah. was heading downwind of us. And I was like, Oh crap, let's spray up real quick. And he's like, ah, dad, I'm like, shut up, shut up. Let hey. me just spray you with this random stuff that smells like vanilla. <laughs> yeah you smell good afterwards <laughs> right yeah he said the deer yeah, and he's... You're a little, 
He started calling it the deer spray. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I don't get me wrong. I love the smell of it because it smells good, but I hate the greasy, a greasy, greasy feel afterwards. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. You definitely have like a film on you or something. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, Hey, Nick, thank you. I appreciate the time, man. If people want to find you, you said you filmed the hunt, like where are they going to go? What, how, how can they watch this hunt? Uh, yeah. So I'm part of the rise hunt. So you can, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Carbon TV. Uh, just look up the rise hunt on there. Uh, we are actually, we do a uh, bi-weekly segment series. So we try to keep it, you know, keep up with, um, more relevant throughout the season. Um, actually since me and Tyler started in September segment two for this season is going out tomorrow, which is my part of the North Dakota Tyler's part. We already released and, um, we're usually we do like a, every two weeks we'll release a video, but with things pumping out as quick as they are, we might, uh, this one might go up next week. And, um, so we're, we're not, don't quote me on it, but um, you're trying that may yeah we're, we may put it out pump it out next week for um you know be on, like i said on youtube and uh and carbon tv so but, awesome yeah all right well yeah thank you again thank you for the time appreciate it i hope you and tyler and isaiah have a phenomenal rest of your season i'll definitely be following along with you guys watching the youtube and staying in touch on the ig um yeah thank you again appreciate it man no, no problem bud all right, All right. Yeah, well, keep time. let me know how your season keeps going <laughs> sounds good hopefully i'll i'll shoot that four-pointer next time he walks by <laughs> <laughs> all right you probably should otherwise he's gonna be pissed at you <laughs> <laughs> right exactly all right man we'll catch you later nick all right have a good one bud see ya